Welcome to The Work of Art. I'm Ted Weinstein. The Work of Art is a series of conversations with some of the world's leading writers, musicians, photographers, artists, and others discussing their creative process and their creative lives. Today's guest is photographer Paulette Tabermina. Her new book of photographs, Seizing Beauty, presents her still lifes shot in the style of 17th century Dutch, Italian, and Spanish old master painters. She began her career working with antiques, photographing works of art for a major auction house, and working as a Hollywood food and prop stylist. Her own fine art photos have been shown across Europe and the United States, and her first solo museum show is currently on view at the Academy Art Museum in Maryland, and then travels to Notre Dame University's Snipe Museum of Art later this year. She joined us today from her home and studio in New York City. Thanks very much for joining today. Well, thank you very much, Ted. Most of your photography scenes are comprised of really ephemeral objects in this gorgeous, moody, moody and melting light. Flowers, fruit, insects, bits of porcelain. Is this all intended to be linked to the Vanitas style from the 16th and 17th centuries, all about the transience of life, or is this just the visual objects that appeal to you? Um, I think it's probably both. Um, I grew up um, in Long Island, and my grandmother brought me to antique stores, and so I always had this love of objects. And so I would always be collecting strange little objects, um, little tables and, and such. So I always um, had what my brother and my sister would call tchotchkes around me. So I grew up with um, the love of collecting ephemera and, and small objects. And then when I started this series around eight years ago when I moved back to New York, I um, and when I first started photographing, it was wonderful because I could use a lot of the objects um, that I already had accumulated within my photographs. Then when I went on to do the Vanitas series, which was just in this last past year, um, I used quite a number of them and then also searched and went to flea markets in Paris and London to collect a lot of the, um, the objects that I wanted to have in the photographs. In their day, these original paintings that you're referencing, they had real social significance. A lot of the objects were, well, and actually the ability to own paintings was really reserved to the upper class. Mm-hmm. That's kind of different today. Uh, you're still using, though, the same objects uh, in still lives, very similar to what they used. But the visual medium is different, obviously, paintings versus photographs. And the way you and I and everybody else lives with art is different. Um, How does that change the comments you're making compared to the comments those original artists were making? Um, That's a very good question. Um, You know, as you were saying, that that in in the earlier years, in the old masters, for instance, the Dutch painters, um, they really depicted what their life was at the moment. And so, um, particularly in the Dutch um, 1600s, within 50 years, when the golden trade um, started and the Dutch became to, you know, prosper with all the trading and the shipping, they incorporated, you you could see from the early paintings from the 1600s, they would be, uh, you know, 
bread and a jug of milk, and then you saw them prosper, and so you would see the, um, you would really see how they, their lives changed, and they lavished themselves with um, exotic fruits and Venetian glass and tapestry. So you, you within a 50-year period, you would see the change in their economy, and they wanted, the painters at that time wanted to depict what their life was at that time and how they had prospered. I think when I'm using these objects in my photographs, I'm just harking back to the old world and the love of these objects. And what I do is I, and they did as well, I mean, I use a lot of symbolism within within the composition and so that probably um, probably connects the same things that they did because they used a lot of symbolism within their um, within their um, their paintings just as I do in my photographs. Give me some examples of some of your photographs and what you're symbolizing with your choices of objects and how you present them. I think that a lot in the Natura Morta photographs that where I'm using, um, you know, fruits and vegetables. Um, for instance, there is one called watermelon radishes. And so within that photograph, what I consciously did is that I, I, I think I spent almost a week creating it and um, just to get the lighting the way I wanted it to. And um, I wound up having all of the elements within the photograph all touching one another. So everything is, is not separate. Um, and so that's very symbolic. Um, there are other natural morta photographs that I've done where, say for instance, um, well in the the flower fish fantasy three there's a goldfish and so the goldfish is actually jumping out of the water um so that was symbolic of the time i was <laughs> sort of feeling um at the moment um one summer so um and then what i do is i incorporate leaves that are trying to balance or butterflies trying to to balance on things um they're all sort of secret little vignettes that I put within my photographs to tell my own stories. That's remarkable to spend a week uh, mastering or arranging a composition. Uh, is that w the way you normally work where it's all about getting the right composition before you even start taking photos? Or do you iterate and have multiple uh, photographs of slight variations in a particular scene? Well, I usually start out where I know that I'm going to be totally um, free to photograph for, for several days, um, consistent days, so that if I don't get it in the first day or the second day, I have, you know, a few other days that I can recompose. Um, and while I'm doing it, I'm shooting it um, immediately. So I'm seeing what um, I'm photographing. I don't set it up and then photograph. I'm doing it all at the same time. So um, just a lot of times, um, you know, the flowers, um, you know, disintegrate or the leaves fall or something happens within the composition that I have to go out and rebuy those flowers. Um, 
and so there, it's it's a process of of really working on the the composition and and getting the lighting correct until I fall in love with it. So that can take some time. How do you do your lighting? Is it all natural light? Or are you using reflectors and other modifiers? Well, what I'm using um, when I first started this, I. Uh, approximately eight years ago, um, I have actually in my apartment, my studio apartment, I have this beautiful west, west light coming in. Um, but then I realized that if I was going to do these compositions um, using food and, and things that are not going to last very long, um, I really sort of needed to have um, work with strobes. Um, because that meant that I could, you know, be working till the wee hours of the morning if I wanted to. So it gives me complete freedom to stay on the set and not worry about clouds passing by or thunderstorms or um, the sun coming in and coming out. So it really gives me the opportunity to um, to be more creative um, with my compositions. If we're standing in the corner of your studio, how many different strobes and reflectors and other tools are surrounding your tableau? I usually use one source, um, and then I use different reflectors, or I use mirrors, or I use white cards. I use a myriad of, of different things to get the reflections on the objects the way I want them. So um, there might be one light or Sometimes um, there might be a second light. If it's a bigger composition, I'll have another, a second light. Um, but mostly I'm using a lot of reflectors um, just to get that little glint on a, on a rose petal with a water drop on it. Um, and sometimes I'm using very tiny uh, little mirrors or little white cards to do that. Do you work with an assistant or is it you doing all this painstaking work yourself? I do it all myself. There were two instances where I did um, use an assistant on, on two photographs, which was totally essential. <laughs> You've done a fair bit of commercial work, and I'm curious, did you develop these techniques in the context of the commercial work and then move them into the fine art realm, or were you working in fine art and folks saw how amazing these images were and said, oh, we want you to do this for our commercial projects? Well, I think I started off, um, I lived and worked in Santa Fe for 14 years, and that's where I became a photographer. So I started working on commercial work um, in Santa Fe in the, uh, in the 90s. And then um, I hadn't done fine art photography before then. I had just done commercial work. Um, I worked in the, um, in the film business doing props and doing food scenes for, for the movies on seven different movies. So I got a wonderful education in um, working with food and, and trying to be as, as authentic as I could um, in movie scenes that require, for instance, there was a movie Nixon with Anthony Hopkins, so I had to recreate Nixon's resignation letter. So, you know, I'd have... I'd, went to Yorba Linda Library in California to look at the actual um, resignation letter. Um, you know, so it was, I think the expert, you know, it really helped me to, to be able to research things. Um, so, yes, doing the commercial work 
you know, in Santa Fe and then also working in the movies, I think it was, it was a, an incredible education to, to then, when I came back to New York nine years ago and started this whole new fine art photography, um, it really was a great education for me to go into, into the fine art. You talk about the linkage with the earlier paintings and the ability to do deep research. Uh, I found it interesting. Your photo titles sometimes really explicitly reference uh, a very specific painting you're commenting on. I'm thinking of one example, Oysters after WCH, uh, which refers to the Flemish painter William, I'm going to butcher his name, but William Clays Haida. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, good. I'm, I yes. never mastered Dutch yet, and yes. I'm glad I at least got his name right. Um, no, that's, that's right. There are some, uh, here in the art museum in San Francisco, there's uh, some gorgeous Dutch still lifes, uh, not by him, but by some others of his peers. And yeah, each one specifically has a remarkable presence to it. In some of these, you're really referring, and I won't say copying, but commenting on a specific painting. And in others of yours, you're doing in the style of. Uh, what helps you decide which particular paintings you want to really deeply comment on? And what is it you're trying to say about that one painting? Well, for instance, I, I was at Sotheby's because I was working at, at Sotheby's photographing for them these last past eight years. So I would, uh, you know, it was such a wonderful opportunity for me to to view all of these old master paintings. And so for one year, um, I found this fabulous, um, very large painting by Gerard van Spendunk. And within that large painting, there was um, a huge uh, vase of, of flowers and then um, a very small little goldfish bowl with goldfish in it. So I thought, aha, you know, I thought, oh my goodness, I have to create an image with goldfish in it. So um, it's not copied, but just the inspiration of and the idea of having a goldfish um, in a photograph, I was just so intrigued and I was obsessed about doing it and so wound up, you know, buying a 10-gallon fish tank with goldfish and set off to do, um, you know, around five photographs with goldfish in them. I'm imagining Gloria Swanson as a fish saying, I'm ready for my close-up now, Mr. DeMille. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A lot of these paintings, a lot, all of them, obviously reflected a religious view from that era. Uh, the Vanitas style is an explicit acknowledgement that uh, life is ephemeral and we're all doomed. What are your own religious beliefs? What's your background? Does that play a role in any of this for you? I don't really think so. I mean, I, I grew up uh, in a Sicilian family, um, born Catholic, but everyone in my family, they were all agnostic, so my parents would drive me um, to church <laughs> um, until um, I just, you know, I was old enough to make my own decisions. So I don't really think that it has anything to do with my uh, religious background. I consider myself, um, um, I guess, a, a spiritual person, um, a seeker. Um, but I think you know, I think with the Vanitas, it, it's it's so present the the idea that you know we we really can't take all of these worldly possessions that that we uh, that we accumulate in life. Um, you know, we really can't take them with us, and so you sort of have to figure out what your priorities are in life, really. 
and what's what's important. When you're shooting inanimate objects versus food and bugs and other things that have had a life, does it feel different to you? Is there a different sense of presence? I think that the only difference is that I don't have the time constraints. Um, when I'm working with a living object, a, you know, a, a peach or, or a fig, fig brands, I know that I have to work very quickly. Then um, it is alive, it will die, and it will change, it will decompose. Um, so I'm very conscious of that. And then when I did the Vanitas series, that really doesn't have very, it does have flowers in it, but the objects are easier for me because I know they're not going to change in composition. So it's probably, I mean, the Vanitas series was the most complicated complex that I've done because there were so many elements within them and all the elements had to have been for me anyway, authentic in my mind, um, to create a story. Um, so those are actually easier for me. Um, and it sort of goes back to my first love in, in loving, you know, magic, the magic of objects really. There was a feature about Joel Meyerowitz on the New York Times website just this week, and he got to visit the studio of uh, the great Italian still life painter, Giorgio Morandi. Oh, right. And then he was allowed to photograph many of the same objects that Morandi painted. So yes. it's a fascinating video to see him at work, obviously. And then he, on the video, asked, so he said the project really asked him the question, and I'm curious to ask it of you. What are the differences between painting and photography when making a still life of the same objects? For me, um, when I'm working on the set and I have all these objects in mind that I want to make into a composition that tells a story for me, I get to move them around and change their... I get to put them on their side. Their, I, I can move them around so readily that... I become, I become the director of the photograph, and so I think that's why I like photography because I can direct it and change it. Um, whereas I think being a painter, it would be a lot harder to do that. I guess it would be pentimento, where the artist you know changes thing, and there's this underbelly of of changes within a painting. But um, with a photograph because it's taken in an instant and it can tell a story. Do you ever show multiple versions of the same still life with uh, slightly different compositions or lighting? Um, I mean, I, when I am shooting, I'm, I'm taking hundreds of photographs and it's so, it's, so it's a progression and it evolves and it's, and it's, and it's like seeing a movie, really, because you see a bare table, and then you see a bowl, and then you see the fruit, and then you see the leaves, and then you see the butter. So it's, it's an evolution that, that I'm looking at. Have you ever assembled those sequential images into a little movie to show on social media as, oh, this is your work process? No, but, you know, I, I recently went back to Santa Fe, and I... I was asked to go back to the school that I had attended, the Santa Fe Photographic Workshops. They asked me to teach their first still life photography class there. And this was just this last April. And what I did do, um, 
I, I did set up um, slideshows um, for the students and I did do a progression of, of actually the photograph that's on, on the cover of the book with the peaches. And so I did do that where, you know, you can see the evolution of, of, the, um, of the photograph. It's so fun for others to see your step-by-step uh, step and just to learn from it. And then that aha moment where you felt that it was exactly right and ready, uh, presumably we feel that same culmination. Right. And I mean, what you would see in the back of some of these setups is really quite um, hysterical because they're usually chopsticks or, um, you know, blue gummy tape, you know, holding the leaves up. And, you know, there are lots of little props that you have to to work with to, to get the still life, the, you know, the fruits and vegetable ones um, sort of set up. Just like seeing a movie set where, you know, 10 inches off camera, it's uh, utter chaos. Exactly. Exactly. You do have a social media presence, uh, a great Instagram for anybody who hasn't yet visited. You must check it out. Um, that Those are small images. Does that feel like it's true to the really sumptuous work you show at full size? Is it just marketing that frustrates you or does it feel like another full expression of what you have to say? Um, with this tiny little inch by inch photographs? Yeah. Well... You know, it is, Instagram is a wonderful um, avenue, I think, for a lot of people. And I, I love putting up the photographs. They look like little post, postage stamps. Um, but, um, I mean, some of my images, for instance, the botanicals, um, some of them are printed as big as 52 inches by 52. And what's so magical about them for me is that you get to see the um, the grasshopper wings or um, the dragonfly legs or rose petals. Um, you you see them so close up because they're so magnified, and you would never be able to see the details in those objects um, with the naked eye. And so when they're blown up um, to that size, they become this wonderland. Um, of, of these beautiful objects. But it sounds like though that might be the ideal. You're not uncomfortable with the smaller versions they get out there in other arenas. No, it, it doesn't bother me. It's great to hear because I would be, I would feel, I think, a little frustrated if uh, I had shot something with the intention of showing that rich detail and the sophisticated lighting. And then here it is at postage stamp size when it wasn't originally shot uh, with the intention of it being postage stamp size. Right, right. How else does a contemporary photographer like you publicize yourself? Obviously, a huge difference from the olden days is the intense connection we have with anybody, but also the need to market oneself. What else have you done to build your career in the fine arts? Well, you know, I'm very lucky because I, you know, I am represented by by many different galleries, um, you know, the Robert Klein Gallery in Boston, who first um, took me on as a, a new photographer um, around six or seven years ago. Um, and then the Robert Mann Gallery here in New York, um, Beatles and Huxley in, in London, um, Holden Lundson in Florida, March in San Francisco, and Heather James in Palm Desert. So, They've all done an incredible job of marketing my work on their websites and having shows for me. Um, 
And then I think also with um, this new book that's come out, um, I mean, I've gotten a flurry of, of wonderful, um, you know, emails from people. Um, the New York Times did an article on it. Architectural Digest did an article on it. And so those are all wonderful marketing tools um, that have come my way. I've been, you know, very grateful for all the galleries and, and, and the newspapers and, and magazines that have wanted to, to publish uh, my work and, and, you know, and, and to promote the book. What comes next for you? Will you continue in this style? Will you start shooting iPods and modern objects using the old-fashioned style, or is an entirely different type of photograph ahead? You know what? I, I've been thinking about it because um, it, it's, it was very new to me that uh, photographers had to have series. I figured, well, I'll just keep on shooting wherever, I, whatever I feel like. But but within photography, you have to have a body of work and, 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 and a series. So they have to be similar um, compositions based on a similar subject. So that was a very new um, concept for me. Um, I figured, well, I'll just do one um, flying fish. You know, I don't have to do any more. But then I had to do a whole series of them, which was very challenging. So um, I've been thinking about a new series. Um, and there's, they also reckon back to the, um, to the old masters because I, I just, am in love with them. Um, and so it's based on the old 17th century Trump loy. So um, I'm going to try my hand at, at, at doing those. It sounds like a lot of fun. Are those the ones where there'll be a wall with a couple of postcards tacked up to it, that sort of thing? Yes, that sort of thing in different shadows. And um, I I felt that I had, um, it was the, the Vanitas series the last series was was very complex and uh, you know I I took it on and um worked really hard to to um to work on the six images and after I finished I thought well if I could do that then I can do this other Trump Loy series that I had been interested in 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 the last years to to do so that's um that's hopefully what I'm going to be planned to do next it sounds like much of the work is really just an excuse to go out there and shop for interesting objects. Yes, yes, exactly. And then also, um, I mean, I also want to continue with my Natura Morta series, um, which is more of the, um, you know, fruits and, um, and um, you know, beautiful flowers. So I know I'm going to be in... Um, out in the country at some point in, in August. So I have my um, eye on a, on a pear tree and an apple tree that I'm going to be um, picking some of those for some new images as well. Today's guest has been photographer Paulette Tabermina. Her book of still life photographs, Seizing Beauty, was recently published by Monticelli Press. She joined us from her studio in New York City. Thanks very much for talking today. Oh, thank you very much, Ted. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to The Work of Art. I'm Ted Weinstein. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and will listen to many more. Our theme music is by Mental 99 and used with their kind permission. 
a production of Ted Weinstein Literary Management. This has been The Work of Art.